Well, very good morning to you on uh, June the 21st. Happy Father's Day for those of you who are celebrating Father's Day at home. Uh, we'll be spending some time hopefully uh, phoning or sending cards or maybe even you can fit a visit in. So uh, do uh, celebrate that where you can. And also uh, just a welcome if you're guesting to our, today, our service today, uh, then do uh, just make contact, uh, find out a little bit about who we are. And if you're here, a reg if you're a regular, then why not forward our stuff? Why not forward links uh, to what we're doing so we can sort of continue to build uh, this community that we've been given to work amongst? A uh, little bit of housekeeping before uh, this morning uh, carries on. Uh, tonight, Mike uh, Wilson will be leading our I Wonder Bible study at 6.30 on Zoom. And he will be asking what can take the what is it that pulls the church off course? So that's a really interesting question for us at the moment as we try to steer a steady ship. So I think that would be uh, welcome. And the details for that are on the uh, daily updates through Zoom. Um, also, this Wednesday, we'll be starting the coffee uh, with a short act of devotion. So please uh, come for both. Um, and we'll have a sort of a time to time of worship, of simple worship together. Uh, and then uh, coffee time, and that's open to all. And you know, bring how you're feeling to to that scenario. Bring it to that time together. And uh, just to say also that from Monday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mornings, the church is open for private prayer uh, from between nine and twelve. And if you behave yourself, you socially distance and anti-back your hands. Um, that's a great opportunity. And of course, there is a little bit. There is space. Uh, outside to socially distance and chat with people that you you may see as well. So do uh, take advantage of the opportunities that we're uh, trying to lay on in these um, strange times. As we uh, come together this morning, just reminded that David is going to David uh, is going to bring to us uh, God's word, uh, continuing through Timothy. What is it that sustains us? What is it that we can rely on? I wonder what truths it was that held Paul together and, and his perspective on that. And I think that's really helpful. Uh, and I look forward to that. And then also we have a time of uh, agape, which is sort of sharing bread and wine together uh, this morning. But before we begin, uh, let's uh, get our hearts in the right place and uh, begin with Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. And the sun will not harm you by day. Nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So as we gather together this morning, we pray that you would be with us, Lord. Come and fill our homes by your Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts as well. Amen. A reading from St Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution and sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, 
the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those things from whom you learnt it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to do every good word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's good to be with you all again and Anne, thank you for reading our scripture to us. This week we're continuing with our series based on Paul's second letter to Timothy. When I started this series a couple of months ago, we were in the first two weeks of lockdown, uncertain of the future. We're now in the third month of the lockdown and for those of us who are vulnerable, it looks as though we could be in for the long haul. Still, through the wonders of modern technology, we're able to virtually meet together to worship our great God and to enjoy looking at his word together. Before I begin, I'd like to thank the team who put together the services, both on Sundays and through the week. You really are making a difference to our lives, so bless you and thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that as we look at it this morning, your Holy Spirit will open it up to better equip us to serve you and to serve others through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So to this section of the third chapter of Paul's letter, which in the NIV Bible is headed, A Final Charge to Timothy. One of the reasons Paul wrote this letter, as has been evident from our previous studies, was to encourage Timothy in his role as one of the leaders of the church in Ephesus. As we've already seen, Timothy was quite, quite young to be leading the fellowship, even though he'd been well taught by his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois. Timothy had also shared in some of Paul's journeyings and had become like a son to the older apostle. Now, however, Paul is in prison. He recognises that his work is almost certainly over and he seeks to encourage Timothy to carry on the good work that has been entrusted to him. Paul begins this passage from verses 10 to 14 in much the same way as he opened the letter by reminding Timothy and of course the Ephesian Christians with whom the letter would have been shared of what he himself has been through as he sought to proclaim the good news of the gospel. He mentions his teaching, examples of which we, we see in the book of Acts as Luke charts Paul's various journeys spreading the good news to the Gentile world. He mentions his way of life, 
And again, we know that at times Paul carried on his work as a maker of tents in order not to be a burden to the people he was ministering to. Then he mentions his purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, and also, of course, the sufferings and persecutions that he had to face. Paul refers to Antioch, Iconium and Lystra. And we know from the book of Acts that although many people in those places responded to his preaching and became followers of Jesus, he also encountered great opposition, even on one occasion being stoned and left for dead. When we read these verses, we find them somewhat daunting, wondering how we would ever match up to this life lived for the Lord. But Paul is not seeking to put anyone off their walk of faith by speaking in this way. Rather, he's pointing out that the Christian life is in complete cross contrast to life outside the faith. Jesus, of course, is our prime example, but Paul and the other early demonstrate disciples demonstrated the change that needs to take place in the life of the follower, even as we are today, centuries later. Paul then reminds Timothy and his readers that they too will face opposition, persecution, false teaching, and I think we can add to those the modern attitudes of ridicule and antipathy. Yet, Paul says, the Lord rescued him from all of these, and we can trust our loving Heavenly Father to rescue us in our time of need as well. We here in the West may not face the same persecution that many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world are facing, but for thousands of Christians, their lives are in peril because they have committed those lives to Christ Jesus as Lord and Saviour. I constantly marvel at the faith of those whose lives are so uncertain, not because of a worldwide pandemic, but purely because they're followers of the Lord Jesus. A friend recently sent me one of those brilliant composite videos which linked together Christians from 50 countries affected by COVID-19, all joining together to sing Amazing Grace. It was wonderful, very uplifting, very well done, well worth listening to. What was telling, however, was that at least two of the singers, one of whom was from Hunan in China, where the COVID-19 outbreak is believed to have originated, they had their faces blurred out to protect their identities. We must be faithful in our prayers for those whose lives are so very different from ours. Now the last portion of this paragraph begins with these telling words, but as for you, as Paul turns the attention away from himself to his beloved Timothy. He began the letter, which is quite an affectionate one in many ways, 
with a reference to Timothy's upbringing, and he picks up that theme again as he continues his encouragement of his protégé. Continue, he says, with the work that the Lord has called you to. Paul and the church elders had commissioned Timothy for his ministry through the laying on of hands and through prophetic words. And Paul doesn't want Timothy to forget this. He reminds him, as I've already mentioned, that he was taught from an early age by those who loved him, not least his mother Eunice and grandmother Lois. But what is more important is that his learning has moved from his head to his heart. Perhaps through the ministry of Paul, Timothy had accepted Jesus as his own personal Lord and Saviour, as each one of us must do. But the best teaching in the world is useless if it doesn't make that journey from head to heart, from just knowing about Jesus to actually knowing him as Saviour, Lord and Friend. As Paul says, the scriptures are able to make us wise, but that wisdom must lead to our salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Today's passage ends with another of those verses, or rather with two of them, which are really well worth learning, perhaps underlining them in your Bible, but also holding on to them when we're challenged about our faith. Now, of course, Paul and Timothy didn't have the New Testament as we do, but we should be in no doubt about what Paul says here, that all Scripture including that which we call the New Testament, is God-breathed, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, and it has all been written for a purpose, God's purpose. As Paul says in these verses, all scripture is useful for teaching, for rebuking and correcting, and for training in righteousness so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These words are quite powerful. Paul is saying that scripture is not just for our education, but is the key to living according to God's will. And sometimes that might mean a rebuke or a correction, however painful that might be at the time. One of my favourite Christian writers, although I've not read a great deal of his work, is Oswald Chambers, a preacher and writer who taught, wrote and preached early in the 20th century. Probably his best well-known book is My Utmost for His Highest, which is a collection of daily readings from his writings put together by his widow after his early death in 1917. In his book, Biblical Psychology, Chambers says, the Bible is the only book that throws light on our physical condition, on our soul condition, and on our spiritual condition. In other words, he is saying, within these pages, 
we can find all that we need to live the life that God has called us to, following the example of our Lord Jesus, whose life was spent doing his Father's will. So, in closing, I don't know whether any of us would claim that we are thoroughly equipped for every good work, but this pandemic has thrown up many opportunities for churches and Christians, including St John's, to demonstrate the love of God in countless practical ways. We're hearing about them from all over the world and it's wonderful, but we need to continue it. In his first letter to the Christians in Corinth, Paul wrote that he was willing to use any means whatsoever to reach people with the gospel. And as we seek to serve our Lord, let us pray that many will respond to the love of God which we rejoice in and which inspires us, and that they too will seek to know our loving Saviour Jesus Christ for themselves. Amen. Good morning. This morning we're going to begin by focusing our prayers around God's Word. And uh, in response to my words at the end of prayers, Lord, in your mercy, I'd like you to pray at home, hear our prayer. We thank God for making himself known through his word. Thank him that we have it available in so many different versions. Thank him that we have Bible reading notes, commentaries and other aids which help us to understand its meaning. And we pray for those whose job it is to teach and preach the word. We pray for the work of theological and Bible colleges preparing people for ministry. And for people around the world who don't have access to the Bible. Pray for organisations committed to translating the Bible into other languages. And for literacy workers as they teach people to read. And for sufficient funding for all these activities to take place. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray that our own nation and government would return to biblical values in its laws and practices. And we do pray for our government at this time with so many difficult issues to cope with, including Brexit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of us that we would make God's word central to our lives and the decisions that we make. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we continue now to pray about the effects of the coronavirus. We pray for areas of the country where there are new outbreaks. We pray for those who are sick, are dying, and for those whose bodies have been weakened by the virus. 
We pray for all those who've lost loved ones, either through the virus or through other causes during this time. And for doctors, nurses and caregivers who are exhausted by their responsibilities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for people who are struggling with uncertainty about their jobs and for those who are worried about how they're going to cope financially and maybe that includes some of us. For children and young people affected by this significant break in their education we pray that suitable arrangements would be made. We pray for parents who are anxious about when it's right to send their children back to school. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And then we turn our attention more locally and we pray for those in our number who are struggling at this time with sickness or the illness of close relatives some have hard decisions to make in stressful situations or a death in the family. We pray for those of our number in nursing homes and can't understand why people aren't able to visit. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And lastly, Lord, we pray for all of us in the days ahead with so many uncertainties, so many changes. We pray for our church. We pray that we would continue to be at the centre of the community here and to do what we can to reach out. We thank you for the food parcels. We thank you for the ministry of the church grounds. Lord, all these prayers we commit into your hands and pray that you would accept them for the sake of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'm going to introduce a short video. It's, this is about a father and son team. Uh, I've, I think I've shown it before in St John's, uh, but it just reminds me of God's unending, unfailing uh, love for us and uh, our need for him. Uh, and, and I hope you find that helpful video to watch. And before we come to a time of communion or agape, uh, let's confess our hearts. Lord our God, in our sin we have avoided your call. Our love for you is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Have mercy on us, deliver us from judgment, bind up our wounds and revive us. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So may God, who loved the world so much that he sent his Son to be our Saviour, forgive us our sins and make us holy to serve him in the world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we, uh, you may wish to share at home this simple act of uh, worship which reminds us of our dependence on uh, Jesus Christ, the things that he has done for us. 
uh, because God loves us so much. And to remind us of that, let's uh, begin by looking at uh, John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. We remember Jesus gave his body for us. He gave his body the life that he asks us to make ours as well. And he shed his blood for us that he would wash us and cleanse us from sin. And so as we share bread and wine this morning, we remind ourselves of his call upon us and the life that he has won and wants to give to us. Amen.